Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Open your hearts, loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. Mwah. Yeah, this podcast is Andy and Naomi's Where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies Talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling To messy situationships and conscious and coupling From Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu Text, sex, regrets, so feeling on your new jubu They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah Needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it It's up, up, up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. Real-life couple of comedians. And on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. Naomi. Andy. We're we're taping this on a Sunday, but Friday was the live show. What a fun and safe time it was. A fun and safe time to be alive. I mean, the panel was (laughs) electric, nonstop. I've I've never hosted a show where I said so little. Uh, It was wild. All right. We must thank the wonderful Paul Shear, Lacey Mosley, Nori Reed, and Shantira Jackson. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were at the show, thank you. Thank you for coming. If you were able to stream the show, thank you. Thank you for watching. Anybody who watched, you know, I think maybe my favorite moment had to be when Shantira really did shut down a heckler. Uh <laughs> with firmness and loving kindness. With with actual therapy talk, not weaponized therapy no, no, talk. No, no, not Jonah Hill vibes. No, not Jonah Hill vibes. But literally saying, sir, nobody came to hear you talk. <laughs> so you might have to go. 
we saw in real time a boundary being set. It was unreal. Mm. It was unreal. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And I will say, I think it was a testament to the audience, the vibes, the panel. Maybe to us. I don't know. I really felt like I was just like a witness most of the time. But it was like a testament to like that moment, like the show still stayed on the rails. Like it did, you know, sometimes like when somebody does confront somebody, everyone's buttholes can get kind of tight. Yeah. They can kind of tighten the yes, air yes, yes, and it's yes. hard to get it back. And it was like, no, That's no. That's why I was just hoping someone from the venue would have escorted this gentleman out. Yes. And I think that ended up happening. You know, I kind of didn't know. I kind of didn't know. I was just like, wow, 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 wow. So anyway, the point is a lot went down. Uh-huh. A lot went down. Andy, that was your first time on stage in a while. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, of course. It was fun. I'm in this. We didn't really talk about on stage, but like since like mid quarantine, I'm truly in a I don't give a fuck mode. Wow. Okay. I'm just trying to skateboard down the down the rails of dystopia. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Have some fun. Mm -hmm. Have some fun while you're doing it. Do an ollie. Do some ollies. (laughs) Do some tricks. You know? Flip flip the board. Flip it. Do that thing where you jump up and then it Uh flips below you and then you jump back on top. Yeah, dude, skate on the edge of the dustbin of history. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. And it was fun. You know, it's just it's just a joy to be on stage with you. Just a joy to be... Out of the house. Out of the house, yeah. doing something fun. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's really it. Some I was talking to my friend Nick today. He's like, oh, you should go to the coast and see sea lions. I'm oh like, that actually might be a fun thing to do. It's so funny. What Nick said that you and I, for 4th of July, we hung out with our dear friends, Chris and Will, and they were like, hey, you've never gone to see outdoor movies? You've never been to the Hollywood Bowl? They're just like listing all the <laughs> things we've never done in Los Angeles. And it was like, no, we haven't. Mm-hmm. It's funny because this is a town where you really have to, one, I think, know what's up, but also you do have to go after it in yes. a different way. Like, it's it's all road trip. Mm-hmm. Even if you go in two miles, it's a road trip because you, like, don't know where you're going to park. You got to wait in line to get into the everything is like everything's a little adventure Mm. and i think both of us are like mom we gotta work so hard (laughs) we got five thousand episodes of house hunters international (laughs) that's a lot easier than like packing up the car for the day putting mabel in a little in a little carriage yeah get a little picnic basket together it's like a whole production but it these are the things that must happen so it's like now we need to go take a road trip to see sea lions right right you you know i mean we don't have to list all the things that we don't like about Los Angeles. No, We've no, done don't that do for it. years. Yeah, don't I'm not do going it. That's to. What I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But one of the things that uh, there's a specific thing that does bug me. So uh, some friends of mine came up from San Diego, Adam and Millie, for to see the show, and then they stayed over. And the next day, not here, folks. No one comes in our apartment besides oh my us. God, that's okay? so funny. Sydney Washington, the hysterical Sydney Washington. We're just like name dropping. We're just saying <laughs> names of very specific people we interact with. But basically, she was like, we had gone to dinner, and then she was like, I was going to say we could hang out at your house. But then I said, no, nah, Naomi, don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, accurate, accurate. I said, especially not with Andy Hall. Because Andy got to clear out. He got to make sure the CO2 levels are back down uh-huh. below 600 before he come back in. So we can't just be having The nine air purifiers have to be running on high. Yeah. On high. It's like, no, it's like not happening. But anyway, yes, you were out having brunch with your dear friends. Yeah, so having brunch the next day. And we're at this place. I, I won't name the place, but it's just like some, you want to name it? Superb Hollywood. <laughs> sure. It's sure. Like, what am I doing protecting him for? They got a big old patio. So we're in the on the edge of it. Uh, and this kind of like um, boothy. What do you call it? What, what would you call it? It's like there's a chair, but there's also like a. Yeah, it's like half booth, half, half booth. bench. You've got a little, you've got some cushioning going on. I got Mabel sitting next to me, okay? You know Mabel. Tiny. Now, the people's princess. Petite. Pocket. Perfect. Los Angeles. I've seen 
people's dogs accompany them into the bank, into the CVS, <laughs> into Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. You bring your dog everywhere. That's the vibe in this town. It is absolutely take your daughter to work day every day. <laughs> it is how this town makes up for being such a poop hole, okay? Correct. Continue. Okay. okay. The manager comes over and goes, um, you know, it's the, the health board doesn't allow uh, dogs there, so your, your dog can't sit next to you. The dog cannot be in the in the booth next to you yeah. due to the health code. Yeah. This is an outdoor venue. This is an outdoor Last venue. Last I checked, I wasn't eating off of a cushion. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. You are the manager of a very pretentious, not that great, but fine enough restaurant in Hollywood. And if you don't know, Hollywood is like... Oh, we've told them. It's not nice. The grossest. We've told them Hollywood's not nice. One of the grossest you know, parts the of the city. Know Hollywood's not cute. It's just like a urine-stained part of the city. Okay. Anyway, the point is, yeah, this isn't the Russian tea room, buddy. <laughs> All right? You're not managing uh, Nobu. <laughs> we're also already outside. Like, if we're talking health codes, I mean, we fully sat there when just, like, debris from the sky has fallen into our place. Yeah. Spiders well, everywhere. I mean, you've got bugs. You've got birds pooping. Like, we really, like, we can't be saying a house dog is a health code violation because if that's it, a lot of things need to be adjusted uh-huh. in this outdoor space. I'm not feeding her off the table. I'm right. not, like, spoon-feeding oatmeal into her mouth from or the like, table. You're not, like, putting her, also, like, she's not allowed on the table. She can't put her little paws up. Yeah, she's just sitting there. She's sitting on because the side next to you. Because that calms her down, okay? Right. You know what? When you put her on the ground, she just starts looking at And, in fact, when I go, oh, I'm not going to, like, make a scene. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I put her down. Two tables away, there was a dog. Just start staring at Mabel. So Mabel what starts she start growling, doing? starts She's... growling, starts growling, then starts barking. Everyone's looking over. I'm like, huh. I pick Mabel up. I go to the car. I get the stroller that yeah, we yeah. use when we go picketing and bring Mabel with us. And I bring her back like a little baby. And when you guys, when I tell you, I and I've told Andy on more than one, I was like, I do not have the confidence to roll into a restaurant with a dog in a stroller. I did. And the fact that he had to, I mean, he's, he, has, he has no problem. He'll do it. He's done it multiple times. But when we're together, I'm like, I'm sorry. I cannot roll into this restaurant with a dog and a stroller. Like, I can't be that person. Mm-mm. It's different when we're on the move, when we're picketing the, you know, repetitiveness of the picket and all that kind of stuff. And also just Mabel's bringing joy and excitement to the lines. But, like, to walk into a restaurant with a dog, it's like, I'm not in the tax bracket for that. I'm not in the tax bracket for that thing to be, okay. like, I can't do it with my head held high. And you were forced to do that because they wouldn't let her just sit next to you. Because Mabel growling at that dog because Mabel said, you know what? I'm not a street rat. I'm not on the (laughs) ground like you. And you staring at me like I'm one of you and I'm not one of you. I'm people. And so when she's allowed to sit next to you, she's like, yes, I'm in the conversation. She likes to feel like she's involved. You know what I'm saying? She likes to feel like she's in it. She's like, yes, give me the tea. But then you put her on the ground like just any old dog. She said, not me. Not now. Anyway, Mr. Manager, you've earned a couple's therapy raspberry. <laughs> that is excellent. That is excellent. I'm so glad that we really put, put it out there. Hey, Naomi, you know, speaking of picketing, you know, if there's one way you'd like to support two striking writers and maybe a striking actor... Oh, Depending yeah. Depending on what happens this I, week. I may be striking for two. Mm-hmm. Very soon. <laughs> oh, I already <laughs> eat for I'm two. I'm striking for two. Now I'm striking for two. WJ had sack, babe. Are you going to have a sign in each hand? 
Probably. <laughs> I'm gonna see if I could do like I could like split the shirts in half, and one half is WG and one half is SAG. I don't know. You're eating a bunch of donuts. You're like, oh, I'm striking for two. Absolutely. Oh my god. I'm walking double time. <laughs> I'm doing it. But what I was trying to say at the very beginning was we are two striking writers slash actor. Yep. Actor. Actor. We got a Patreon. We, we do a Patreon have a Patreon. We give two bonus episodes that are just me and Andy. If you enjoy the intros, if you don't fast forward, if you like <laughs> to hear us chatting. This ain't Marin. They're not fast forwarding. The Patreon's for you. The Patreon's for you. So patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. That's what we that's what we're doing. Um, as I've said, I uh will be doing some stand-up uh just for Patreons. Maybe in a month or so. I basically wanted to wait because I felt like we were promoting the live show so much. I didn't mm. want to then be like, okay, now also come do right, this. You know, right, 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 I don't right. like pressuring people. I know. I know. I don't like constantly asking people to show up for things. Cause yeah. Because as someone who can't show up for shit, <laughs> I can't put that on other people. Okay. I, I, I'm with you, Naomi. So, I'm with you. So, you know, just things. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a uh, um, Twitch show. Who knows? Just something for the page. Something. We should do another Zoom like hang. Soon. Oh yeah, Zoom hang where we'll answer we'll questions do that and that's, stuff. So that's, yeah, so those are things you can get by being part of the Patreon, but it's also, yes, it's you supporting, it's you helping us uh, keep the lights on, keep the pet bills getting paid, because <laughs> oh, these pet bills don't stop coming. Yeah, squeeze now on medication. Oh, don't get me started. Don't, <laughs> don't, get, don't even bring it up. Don't I even bring I it up. I won't do what I do want to bring up, though. We got a comment. Do you remember a couple episodes ago, I think we were referring to some friends of ours, but we we're like, Hey, cishet parents, when you become parents, do you start playing your gender more? Uh-huh. Right, right, right. We were wondering, yeah, is, we were that, wondering. is that what's forced upon yeah. you? We had a couple comments. I like this one a lot, so why don't you play that, Naomi? Hi, Andy and Naomi. Big fan, every week listener. I guess I should have said weekly listener. But anywho, I am calling in response to the question you posed to your listeners Tuesday, the 28th of June which was, do parents, cis-pet parents, start playing their gender roles more? I just want to say, I don't think we're playing it. I think they become glaringly obvious that we as women are expected to do X, Y, and Z, and men as men are expected to do nothing. And it's not to say that we don't grow, we don't change, we don't talk to each other and overcome that socialization, but I think that society is just really fucked up to women once they have children and excuse men for everything that they don't know how to do. Now, I'm projecting, obviously, as that is my experience, and I love my partner and, you know, all of those good things, but yes, no one asks him, well, why are you going back to work so soon? No one asks him, oh, wh- where are the babies going to school? We have twins. Where are the babies going to school for for preschool? No one asks him, oh, my God, what's your favorite meal to cook for the kids? No one even asks him, how are your kids? People don't do that for men whatsoever. They only do it for women. They want to touch when you're pre- – it starts when you're pregnant, honestly. They want to touch your belly. People want to ask. I've never been asked about my breast so much. Then when I was pregnant, people, are you breastfeeding? Are you breastfeeding? Why? Why not? Why not? So I think it's just the way society kind of projects its expectations on you, which then we play that role because there's nothing else. And then I would double down on that and say that 
a lot of us probably watched our parents. I am a single, excuse me, I was raised in a single family home. I never lived with a man, so I had no expectations of my partner. And I'm like, I love you. And we got pregnant. Yay. Okay. I don't know what I'm asking you to do because I've never seen that before. And him, vice versa, for his family situation, although his parents are not divorced, his mom takes very much the head role. So I think it's not only what society projects, but also what you've seen throughout your entire uh, being parented process, right? You really, it's just really fucked up. I also want to say, Naomi, you mentioned something very briefly about um, what do you say to parents? Say you're sorry to parents and don't ask me about my fucking kids. Pretend I don't have them. Ask me what I'm interested in, what hobbies I'm doing, where I wish I could go, if I had money, if I didn't have children. Be sorry for us. Anyway, I love you all. Love the pod. Just hugs and kisses. Oh, my God. Okay. Mama the twins with a word in a sermon. She was like, okay, I'm going to call in because I've been listening to them and I'm going to have to speak from the experience, strength, and hope uh-huh. of being a parent to twins. Thank you for, first of all, listening, being a fan of the pod, and also for sharing all of that because that was, I was like, no lies detected. It is interesting. So, so the phenomenon is more, if it is a phenomenon is more that society projects this thing and then maybe you're so tired you just kind of like eh, I'm falling like you just you fall in you right. fall into it without without I mean it doesn't even have to be like that eh, I guess so it's more of like an unconscious yeah thing where you just kind of fall into the role well but even that idea too where it's where uh, saying you know my husband people don't ask even about the kids as much and it's so true but it's so I'd like to hear this though because I think because my thing is I assume I'm being rude if I don't ask about your child yeah me too so I'm always like your child is it the thing that you know like the, it, but then I'm like, all right. How maybe. are their teeth forming? <laughs> but now it's not that I've obviously you don't ask the same way you would ask about the most important person in anyone's life, but like not to harp on it. And it's so true. It's like, talk to me about who I would be if I didn't have kids and what else is going on. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that to the point where I go, actually, I don't want to know about these babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, so do you know what I do want to know about though? Um, Today's, today's guest. <laughs> I know. I see you, sis. I hear you, girl. <laughs> Today's guest was who? This is a good one. Again, someone who we did not know had not met before recording. Yes. And Just then, a fan of theirs from She-Hulk. Exactly. Um, and then we got to sit down and talk. And this was like, oh, okay, you a real one. You, I mean, right up here, I was going to say with Liv Hewson, uh-huh. you know, as as one of our most mentally healthy guests. Uh-huh. I'm going to also say. Shantira Jackson. Should we have, uh, a, we we, have a panel? Just a leaderboard. <laughs> Absolutely. Mentally healthy guests. Uh, you've already heard her dulcet tones. The actor, writer, director, Queen Ginger Gonzaga. Mm. You know her from Marvel She-Hulk, as Andy has said. She is the star of the TV show True Lies, and you can stream the whole first season right now if you want to watch that. She is the best. Yeah. Ginger came and just said, we're going to talk about uh-huh. it. We're going to get into it. Uh-huh. So you know what? Without uh-huh. further ado, roll it. I want to just, you know, I want to bring the listener into where we're at, okay? And also use this as an entree into you, okay, Ginger? <laughs> now, before we started, we were trying to figure out the tech of it all and headphones. And Ginger had very fancy headphones, but they were not respecting her dominance, okay? And it was frustrating. However, I'm going to say this, Ginger. You were a cool customer. You, were, you didn't get, like, flustered and stressed out. And you were also like, I'm going to do this. Let me take a moment. I guess what I'm getting is a sense of someone with like 
a healthy self-esteem, someone who knows how to establish a boundary, someone who says, I can handle this moment. Oh my God, I love this positive publicity spin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The freak out happened prior to getting on the Zoom. Um, Sure, I have more boundaries now, I think. Um, But I was just, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I care about people and I didn't want to mess it up for you guys. Here we are. (laughs) That's kind of you. That's kind of you. You said you have, now, now I have to, you said I have more boundaries now. Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah. Which makes me think you had fewer boundaries (laughs) before. And as someone who has uh, in adulthood and in later adulthood uh, only come to learn how to draw boundaries. <laughs> and I got addicted to it. I got to tell you, I'm loving it now. <laughs> oh, it's great. It is great. What was your, what was your boundary journey? I think that, I mean, I've always been, um, I just, I, I don't think I ever knew what they were or whatever. And I'm a very, you know, loving person. I'm very empathetic. And I, I've always felt like such a care bear and I'm just like, why wouldn't we love everything? And and there's not like a person or a situation I can't love. And it's just, I think also like as women, we're always like, we're such go-getters, you know what I mean? And yes, people are very conditioned to do that. So I definitely wasn't afraid to burn bridges. Um, I kind of like blowing shit up sometimes. <laughs> But I didn't understand like simple boundaries of like, you don't have to take this on or uh, someone else can uh, learn how to do things on their own. And I think in relationships, like uh, like having like broken up with someone uh, in the past, I realized like, oh, like that was such a gift because now they've learned how to do all of the things as opposed to me, you know, sort of codependently filling in the space and not knowing how to supplement for people. So my lack of boundaries was, not knowing how to supplement for people. And truly, um, I've just like, I have like such a pool of skill sets. And if I, if someone doesn't have it, I'm like, ah, I gotta do it for them or I gotta help. It's not their fault that they don't have this skill set. Um, but that prevents people from growth, I have learned. So that's part of my boundary journey. So now when people need something or if they, um, uh, uh, if they don't really understand something, instead of compassion, I simply tell them to fuck off and best of luck to you. And and <laughs> no, <laughs> I gently observe them. No. <laughs> I just nod my head and contain uh, my addiction to helping people. Uh, yeah. What about you? Boundaries, man. <laughs> they're mostly. I've been drawing them with my parents mostly. Yes. And just about like we got married in March, and in the lead up to the wedding, there was a lot of stuff <laughs> that. I had to be like, well, this is just what we're doing. Like, like everyone has to be vaccinated that comes to the wedding. That's yeah. just what's, that's just the, the, and the they're lowest like, team. What's COVID? Have you heard of 5G? <laughs> I have. <laughs> they're not, hold on, hold on, hold on. They're not, they're not QAnon. Okay. They're not, they're <laughs> not they like, are, we're not coming to Los Angeles. You're all drinking adrenochrome. They're not that kind of people. But they were like, there are certain family members that are, say, not vaccinated. They are trying to yeah. accommodate other people as opposed to yes, respecting yes. what we want for our event. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're, yeah. yeah. It's your they, way. They are, they yeah. are fully. They, they've got all their boosters in it. Right. But, yes, but like there that. are family members and they didn't want, and they are more, they are so people pleasy that I had to be like, I, I also am people pleasy, but I'm like, well, no, there's just a limit. And here's the limit. And I'm drawing it in the sand for you. And then I'm building a house upon that limit. <laughs> and if you want me to open the door for you to come in, then this is how, what you have to respect. And they did. Yeah. But that was the first time in my adult life where I was like, 
I told I like yeah hard line yeah yeah and it never fails to simply just mimic what you have to do to two year olds you just gotta <laughs> I know <laughs> so who knew in adulthood we gotta just be like you're gonna have your feelings. And you're not going to like it. And you're going to feel weird all day. And then it's going to be over, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But it is. Yeah. We, we're forever having to uh, still use her parent other people in a secret parenting way. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. It is. And I think that is like one of the, the, I don't know, weird, icky feelings about adulthood is having to like talk to them like they are children. Yeah. And it is like it makes me feel strange and I don't like <laughs> I don't like it. I'm like, well, I'm the I'm the child. <laughs> what's going on? Even though I am middle aged, I pay all my bills. I'm what, yeah. what's going on? Sorry, my dog is getting crazy. I know it's funny too, especially with uh I'm so curious how the next generations will grow up because it's so like I think I'm special. I used to think I was special in that, like my parents didn't know how to parent. You know what I mean? Or like, am I, there's definitely a lot of narcissism on their end and a bunch of, you know, and then, but the, but I don't think any uh, personality disorders aside, I don't think anyone from our parents' generation had really, a, I mean, unless your parent was like a therapist or some really, really emotionally intelligent professor, I don't think anyone was given the proper skill set on like, this is how you parent and no one parented properly parented them or what at least societies evolved to learn truly helps. So it is, it is so weird. And I, I think that would happen. It happens with anyone. We kind of end up like parenting our parents, just that that'll that's the cycle, but it is especially now with so much information surrounding everything and like what's needed for what's healthy. It's in, I think we have a, a, a funny vantage point, you know what I mean? Uh, as we as we exercise like what we know with people older than us that we're supposed to raise us. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like how as dystopia descends, we're gonna be the first generation that might actually know how to parent. And then Well, it's like it's dystopia, but we all have therapy language. And so you're like, yeah. I'm very triggered by not having water. And it's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like I too know. Late, too late. Uh, so triggered by not having water. Ugh. Water is a new currency and that triggers me and that brings me back to previous trauma. And then everyone's still Exactly. And you're like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. Um, but like, it's int I think it's sort of this feeling though. So f learning like the parental dynamic, but the extent to which I will put that into my friendships or like even when I'm performing, like when I'm on stage, I said this last week, like there was one person in the audience sitting close. It wasn't like I was searching, but they were close who just looked like they weren't feeling it. I don't even think it was distasteful. They could have just had like a resting bitch face or just a yeah. that just doesn't emote that kind of thing. That's me. Yeah. yeah. A resting I, unempathetic face. And I yeah. made that person. And I said, I was like, so sorry, but you are my mom tonight. And so yeah. if you're going to be this close, I'm going to need you to do something. <laughs> Wait, this yeah. is like <laughs> no, this is an illusion oh. where I was just like, you look so, I was like, you're not having it. And, um, and it was funny because of course uh, everyone was in masks. So literally I was only basing this on their eyes. Yeah. Go, you look like you're not <laughs> loving it. sensitive to their eyes. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but it's like the extent to which you look for people to fill in that gap the parental gap and that like yeah. and obviously on stage is one way but I think I did that in my friendships when I was in my teens and 20s a lot it was like lift me up tell me I'm enough like do way too much 
that you should be, I shouldn't have been asking that much of someone who's 24. Sure. You know sure. I, mean? I, yeah. 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 I was, I went to such a toxic school. I went to UC Santa Barbara and th- I mean, I won't get into the full dark discussion, but I was telling a friend the other day, just about just how rapey that entire culture is. Oh, and it's really? just, you know, but I was saying like there, I was like, there were so many instances of that on at my school which I think is well-documented, but also when you're like 21, who like none of us like knew uh, how to handle if this had happened to someone, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was such a casual discussion because it's like, Oh, I don't have the tools for this info. You know what I mean? Like true, mm-hmm. like the real necessary tools for anything that's happening to people on set. You know what I mean? We're, we're all just like, we're all our frontal lobes aren't even developed. And we're just like, wow, that thanks for confiding in me. I don't know what to tell anyone. Yeah. Right, right. I don't know how to respond. Yeah. Like, but I'm here. And then also yeah. then the person on the other end of that too, where it's like, okay, this response isn't what I want. Yeah, it would but never I don't be. know what I am supposed to expect. Yeah. Even if you think you're doing it correctly, there's definitely something better. Yeah. Um now yeah. UC Santa Barbara, that was undergrad? Yes. Yes. Is that like where Brock Turner went or some shit like that? Like what you, made this such a toxic school? It's a very toxic school. I graduated early because I hated it so much. It was oh, wow. it was where that guy like shot up people because he wasn't having sex. Okay, you have to be I, more specific because that's happening a lot of people. I know, I know. This is the ins- this is I know. 2023. Well, well, so, <laughs> I was like so that? literally the the year before I went there, a kid, David Adius who's actually the son of a very famous director who I worked with, not realizing until after I worked with him that he was the dad of this guy. David Adias drove uh, rant, drove on the party street and just hit people. Oh my God. A real life Mr. Mercedes. Oh my yes. God. And then, so then the year that I went to college, there were always police reenacting it. Like you couldn't just bike home from the library. There was a reenactment, a forensics reenactment of this thing happening well into me going there. And then when I did no longer went there, it happened again with an active shooter. And it's just, yeah, yeah, that school is, (laughs) I think it's like number 22 in the nation or something. It's 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 a great school for learning. yeah. Sort of question mark because Santa Barbara, right? Because is you know fancy. I think it's fancy white people being fancy together. That's what it was, and that's why I, for me, I was so frustrated. I literally got so confused because I had gone to Berkeley in high school for a year, so I had already done a year of college in the summers at Berkeley, and that was like cool. This is what college is, and then I went to UC Santa Barbara, and it's very, very, very rich white kids. Like a middle class is a super minority, so wow. everyone has so much money. And it's people that went to really great private schools. So they're getting into a good UC and it's just a whole other world. It's a, it really is. It was, it's a top party school still. I think like no one wants to learn. I was so confused. I was like, I was just, I've never felt more out of place than at that. And just truly like confused. Cause you're like, is this the world? Cause you just didn't see, I didn't see anything else like I never found my people there I I, I just assumed I was like an alien you oh, know god yeah anyway, where is Modesto in relation to there oh so Modesto's in hell um <laughs> <laughs> that town already knows I'm no Modesto <laughs> is in northern California and it's um a country town like a 
It's it's like an hour and a half away from any major city. It is a large city. We make like two thirds of the world's almonds. Oh, almond country. Yeah. And it's uh, very religious, very Republican, very active. KKK when I was younger and other. Yeah. I know. I feel so bad when I talk about my hometown. Ginger, you're a survivor. <laughs> Between Modesto <laughs> and Santa Barbara, the fact that you are still standing here with a smile, with clear Thanks. skin and a smile. Yeah, every Thanks, every flavor guys. of hateful white. Exactly. <laughs> it's a... Uh, yeah, I always tell people, I remember I had a gymnastics studio and they were always like, you have to exit this way. I never knew why. And it was because the KKK wizard, they're called, lived next door. It's just... Yeah, it's a. I haven't been back since I was eighteen. I don't really know what it's like. Rightly so. Very yeah. good call. I would have. Where to are say. you guys from? Are you guys? From- <laughs> I'm from Harlem, so we didn't really oh. have Grand Wizard energy. <laughs> yeah, oh no. no, hey, I'm from Pennsylvania, and in the '70s, my parents told me this: the KKK used to march weekly in Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, so. Uh, so yeah, wizards, dragons, right, right, goblins, yeah, the full D and D, the yeah, full D and D set of the clan. <laughs> it's so silly. I do love the the um, the the creative, immature elements of any racist organization <laughs> when they're like, "We're gonna be wizards." <laughs> More, yeah, our you know what? They're gonna match. <laughs> I think more racist organizations should have that kind of thing. QAnon should have, yeah, like the, I'm the QAnon Sauron, or I'm the yes, QAnon, yeah. yes, fantasy element. I'm the, yeah, yeah I'm give, the QAnon yeah. beholder. If you don't have a dragon, why would anyone join to begin with? Exactly, yeah. exactly. God. How real are you? <laughs> I'm not gonna teach them, guys. <laughs> we can, we really should not be giving them ideas. Not we do not be the one in branding, marketing yeah. ideas. Yeah, do we have to make them more absurd than they already are? That's the thing. They're already <laughs> all of them are already like nuts. I and know, then, but then part of me is like, if you put Marjorie Taylor Greene in like some robes, it would be hysterical. <laughs> yeah, just imagine like her it would be. Like, like, I think it would star robes holding a staff with like, that kind of like cap that, that wizards would cap work. on. That would be amazing. I'm just saying, if it's memeable, like, <laughs> and I think people would be like, oh wait. She is crazy because, like, she yeah. says stuff that's crazy. But she, if she's like in a chic white outfit, people are like, "Wow, yeah. she's classy." But if yeah. she's in like party city robes, right? You would be like, "Oh no, 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 change the channel." Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Chanel I, equals genius. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. My favorite is who is it right now? I don't know if it's Ted Cruz's wife or no. It's who? Who in Florida is? <laughs> I, this is hard. Who in Florida? DeSantis's wife. Yes, yes, yes. And how I love how it's just always like, let's try to be Jackie O. And she can't get it right. And my friend was like, this is what happens when you don't have gay friends. Like, if you're (laughs) going to denounce the gays, you're going to get Jackie O wrong. I'm sorry. Absolutely. (laughs) The gloves are too long. Jackie's are too Oh, no. Yeah, it is, Andy. <laughs> you did it. You did it, babe. You did it. Jackie, oh, no. <laughs> Jackie, uh, <laughs> But now, given that, like, the teens in the 20s, or, I mean, uh, college, really, was it? Was it <laughs> we're talking about the 1920s. No, not the 19- so, Ginger, you were a flapper, yeah. right, during uh, yeah. Prohibition? In my other life, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, did you, did you date? Were you kissing? You know what I mean? Like, especially oh my I mean, God. Co- like when you said you never found your people and like this feeling of being around like a lot of like rich weirdos. Do you feel kinship because you were also around a lot of rich weirdos? Yes. And I was very late and it took me a while to kiss people. And yeah. also it took me a while to know I was like perhaps maybe attractive to someone. Like I really internalized the thinking of like no one looks like me and no one's checking for me. So something is wrong with me. I get that. I know in, in Modesto, I always 
uh, like I would hear because in Modesto, I'm half Filipino and half Dutch, but in Modesto, that means you're Mexican, which they're really racist towards. And I would just cool. sit in classes with people actively having discussions, just like white guys being like, would you ever date someone not white? And you just have to like hear these conversations mm-hmm. in front of you. And you're like absorbing that the answer is no. And you're yep. confused, like total, total mind warp. I, in college, I, I really didn't like, I, I had had a boyfriend in high school that I didn't realize was like a super narcissist recreation of like my mom, you know what I mean? And then in college, like, I don't know, like I lived with a bunch of girls and everyone was very free and like people would make out and it was, but I really didn't date Mm -hmm. anyone. Like I didn't have, I rejected any real dates and any real, and I didn't, I, I really didn't hook up with people much in college, like where it's, it's also like, uh, my, my college had so many stats. It was like, uh, very high for STDs. So I also knew like everyone here pros going here. I mean, who is agreeing to go here with all the stats? Like everything now, I can't believe it's still accredited. I can't believe it's still a business. It keeps going up. You know, what's so crazy about that school and why it also attracts just the best professors ever. When you do get like, like one of my professors was like the ambassador to Yemen I had a really cool visiting professor from Yale. And it's because Santa Barbara is a great place to be like in vacation if you're an adult. So we would get a lot of sabbatical type teachers mm-hmm. that are like, yeah, I'm super famous and way better than this place. But I would love to teach for a year in Santa Barbara and just chill out and tell you about how my plane got hijacked when I was the ambassador to Yemen. So we would get like really cool professors. But um, yeah, and also I didn't like anyone at my school. Yeah, and it was like, um, and also I just appreciate like, I, I, I'm whatever that pretentious thing is where you like brains over gender or whatever Mark Ronson calls himself that's pretentious. Um, yeah. and no one wanted to learn there. So I don't know. It's very Sapiosexual. Is it Demi? Is it, it was a Sapio? Demi, people are saying Demi now, but I know. Oh, is Demi the new? Demisexual, but then I don't know. You know, I don't know what things. Sapiosexual sounds better because it sounds more like a dinosaur. So I'm more scientific and weird. I saw Sapiosexual at the Natural History Museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there with the, with the Brachiosaurus. Um, Yeah. And then I don't know. And then I graduated early and then none of my friends were in uh, here. And then I dated a sociopath. And then. Well, this is what I was going to ask you. Okay, wait. So their dating history, by the way, is narcissist is is Freudian narcissist like my mother and then making out and then uh, sociopath. I was going to say, because you don't. I dated. What what were you saying? Well, as I say, like you don't get a chance to develop your picker. You know what I mean? Like when you're yes. not dating in that world, because I think it's like when you don't, and not like, again, who you date at 14 tells you something, but you do start to learn your internal sense of what is attractive, what is not. Yes. And when you don't get into doing that until you're like 22, yeah. 23, you'll find a sociopath. You will. And I found, I don't know, I've accidentally dated two. I don't know who wins. <laughs> um, but <laughs> this one I've mentioned people before, but also, yeah, it's also like I had zero self-esteem. It's funny that you started with self-esteem. So I had like no self-esteem. I was also, I, I, I wouldn't have recovered from any trauma from childhood. I didn't know, like, I don't know. I was very high functioning. So I was always very, very successful. And I was always able to just, uh, I don't know, thrive on paper and, and get a lot done without knowing what was going on. And it's interesting. What you said about boundaries is, I put up a boundary with my immediate family when I was younger and 
what I had to learn so much later in life is just because you leave that person, it doesn't mean you've healed from that person, or it doesn't mean that you Mm -hmm. really understand the patterns. Like, yeah, you got to the point where you're like, oh, that's not good. But that doesn't removing one person doesn't remove the pattern, which is awful. And, um, and I had the same experience with church. I was like, oh, I don't, I, I get that this is very, uh, toxic, but not realizing how much growing up in a very five time a week cult-like system, evangelical church, like gets into your entire being for forever. Like for me, that was always like, I would, I, uh, when I went to church when I was younger, I would be like, these pastors are not smart. Like they're bad speakers. Like I was a speech and debate person. I'm like, what is this? But after every sermon, again, multiple times a week, we would all stand up and we were like robot trained to revere this person. They get to exit the room before we do. And even though I knew like that person's like so dumb and like Mike Pence is just the fucking Mike Pence face all over the way. I see Mike Pence. I'm not surprised that people buy his bullshit because he looks like every pastor I've ever met in my life. And, and for me, even though I left all of that and I could kind of understand it, it would play into how much I deferred and went against my gut with white male authority figures. So my managers would be so wrong. I'd be like, what? Are they dumb? And then I'd be like, I guess, I don't know. They're tall, they're white, and they are my manager. So, gonna, you know, and I, and it's so silly what I would, uh, what I, and, and, and again, when you're, whenever you have a new relationship with a, with a manager, they're strangers. They still don't know you. There's no way we, anyone should be completely deferring to these people or shouldn't be a conversation. So, and uh, so I would choose, like, uh, I would choose versions of that to, like, represent me and stuff. But, yeah, so I didn't really date that much. Um, and then, uh, but the sociopath, do you want the 60 second fun uh, recap? Well, honey, <laughs> we got time. But I'd also, okay. before you give me the, the tea, two things yeah. I want to point out. One is what's fun about talking to you, Ginger, is that <laughs> every new paragraph takes us down another journey. When you just said, so evangelical five times a week, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, we didn't even get there. It was like every detail about UC Santa Barbara was more horrific than the last. Every <laughs> new detail. Yeah, about it's like Modesto. <laughs> you, you, UC Santa Barbara was just like, if a, a guy in a car doesn't get you, then gonorrhea will. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, wait a minute, let's unpack that. And then also, I really enjoy the phrase, what really stuck with me is thrive on yes. paper. Yes. Thrive on paper. <laughs> yes. I said, if that's not a word, if that's not a sermon, because I really <laughs> like. As you said, being high functioning, especially in school, but um, and I know one of the things I think I dealt with after graduation was like, oh, I don't, I no longer have the markers that show I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like we stopped getting our grades, and so now what do I have to show for myself? Yeah, that idea like thrive on paper because your IMDb star meter rating. <laughs> That's my thrive on paper. It's like we have a problem, and so it's like, but that feeling of like you're you're outwardly doing all the things you're supposed to be doing. So everyone's like, she's fine, she's fine, yeah. she's good, she's good. Meanwhile. She's not good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's just what I had to point out, honey, because we're out here thriving on paper. That's we're out thriving on paper. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, now give us socio. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, I will add, I've learned. I didn't uh, I didn't realize, I, I didn't know I was ADHD until like I was 35 or something. And, in, and I think a lot of women are learning, especially women creatives are learning that about themselves now because 
no one ever really studied it in women and all the tropes were for like hyperactive kids, not girls that were like, let me do everything in the world. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Eight, eight instruments. Um, Cause I got sick of the other ones. So now I play this. Um, but uh, so it's very textbook funny when I look back, but the sociopath first one, the one I'll, I, I, I feel guilty having mentioned this before, but it's always interesting. So I'm trying to think of the 60 second thing. So met this uh, awful sociopath randomly at Trey Parker and Matt Stone's house when they weren't there. Oh my God. Were you, okay, wait, sorry. Why weren't they Hold there? On. Why like, were you why? why were you there when they weren't? Did they, wait, did they have a house together? Is this like pre- Oh yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry. They don't have a house together. Trey Parker's house. Sorry, I just okay. Yeah, of course. They're like, no, we do South Park. We live together. We do South Park in the basement. Best friends. Best (laughs) buds, as you do. Um, Trey Parker's house. So uh, this idiot uh, was um, like kind of like their little bitch who had gone to high school with them and crept into town many, many years later. And they Uh, made him a PA. But their fatal flaw, which I will say they nobody writes South Park except for Trey full stop but they gave him a writer credit on IMDb so it justified his existence anytime he would go into rooms and blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Start but, um, writing. yeah start that's our thriving on paper thriving on paper <laughs> thriving on paper and uh so he uh he was house sitting I guess but then we were like I went with a friend from the groundlings and we were at his house and anyway so long story short I, I date this person who's awful and it, over the course of dating them, I'm always trying to remember the best roadmap for this since it's so crazy. Over um, the day that I was going to break up with him, he didn't. He stood me up. We were supposed to go play piano or something, and and then I was like, "Oh, I have boundaries." Hashtag I'll break up with this person. Then How he long called. Have you been dating before you before Some you realized? Sad, sad. Like I don't know, maybe like three months or something. And when I tell you this person never got me a coffee or anything, it's just all sad, like zero self worth, whatever, and. I, um, but also he had really interesting stories, but all those stories were actually Trey Parker's. So anything funny that he had to offer in the comedy world had uh stolen. So, um, but so he was like, sorry, I didn't call my dad died. And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Then even worse, his mom, because his parents had been together for many, many years. His mom died like two weeks later. So everybody dies. I'm like, okay, let me be a support system. Still not my job. Listeners, still not your job if the person's that cool. Um, and uh, invites me to the funeral and all the things. He loses his job at South Park. I, at 21, take a cash call loan out, <gasps> pay for the funeral. What? Yes. <laughs> and then I pay for the funeral. He has eight brothers and sisters. No one even says, no one, they're not paying for it. I don't know why I am. No one even says thank you. I'm like heartbroken that no one even says thanks. And I didn't go to the funeral because I was like, you know what? I'm trying to be an actor. I'm not going to miss anything. Trying to be successful on paper. I got to get to those auditions. So I don't go. So finally, some of them uh, email me or call me and say thank you. Um, Then things got even worse. And I was like, I got to get out of this. And he was like, well, you can use my therapist that Sasha Baron Cohen is paying for. Sasha Baron Cohen had compassion for to- this guy. Mm, people, and I'm like, he found people to pay for his things. Yes, yeah, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I 
would love to work with that man one day. I'm not trying to have him know me in this capacity. I'm not trying to take anyone's charity. Absolutely not. And he's like, well, whatever, you're a writer. Mind you, I'm writing all of his work at this point because he's depressed, but really he's not funny. And by the way, we all know when you're depressed, you're funny as fuck. So that was the first red flag. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's Naomi's entire career. <laughs> My tweets are on fire when I'm depressed. Hold, hold on, sorry. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen was his therapeutic sugar daddy. Is that so right? Sugar daddy. I'm like, please do not vote me. But I'm also not okay. So he's like, listen, you're a writer. If you want to write to him, fine. He won't charge you. So I'm like, okay. So I email this therapist, never had therapy in my life, survived Modesto, whatever weirdness college was, do not, completely unaware of how much complex PTSD I've had in my life. And I have my first therapist ever. And I have this email relationship with this therapist. And it, you know, and, uh, Anyways, I don't know how, I don't know where to jump. Anyways, long story short, I start getting suspicious one day. <clears throat> I go through his phone. He has a number in his phone that's a Colorado number. His dad's name was Howard Morton. I call the number from his phone and a person answers the phone. This is Howard Morton. As in his dead dad what? answered the phone. And he did so by revealing his full name to me, which I did know was his name. So... His parents were not dead. I had been further funding his life, being convinced by the therapist. And the therapist was him. Yes. And. Ah! Yes. And so were about eight to 12 other people that for a year I had been emailing with, sometimes speaking with on the phone. And I hated watching the Anna Delvey thing because it's so similar. They have voice modulators. I don't fucking know. I don't lie. Like, it's just not a thing. Like, I, I, so I never thought other people lied. I yeah. was just like, what? Well, well, complicated lies, right? Like, this is a yeah. complex, interconnected web of lies. And that's very yeah. different Shoot, than being too, like, this is like, a, <laughs> I can't lie about. I can lie about little things, but like anything more than that, where I have to like, I me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. on you play the state back. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. But yes. Anything that like takes and requires remembering something. Remembering like, like sometimes there'll be like, um, a family member where Naomi has told certain things like to sure, 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 keep sure. them at bay. And then I have sure, to sure. remember that in my head and yeah. I have to be like, wait, what did you tell them where we were and what happened? Yeah. I, I don't like that. So it's nothing. It's nothing. White lies. Nothing more than yeah. white lies. We weren't at Disneyland without you. We exactly. were exactly, and we were taking care of the pets. Um, yeah. It. I mean, it's elaborate and gross and all the things. Oh. And what what was what was worse is so he had also gotten a job on Mad TV using my sketches. So when it all came to a head, no, oh, yes, my God. and I and I and oh. so. Everyone at Mad TV was figuring this out. Whenever he couldn't generate anything at Mad TV, he would cry to them, make up lies. And he was like, <clears throat> he would always drop Trey's name. I weirdly, the same day that Fox Studios, who had Mad TV, reached out to Trey Parker, I emailed Trey and I was like, you don't know me. I've been dating this person. I'm, it's really scary. Also, his parents, I thought I paid for his parents' funerals. I'm so sorry. Like, I just need to know, like, what's black and what's white because I don't know anything. So then he had me and Mad TV people over for dinner at, at the Four Seasons. It's literally like a room of powerful people that I never want to meet under these circumstances. <laughs> you know, literally like Pam Brady, who wrote Team America, 
And I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm aware that I am like the comedy of the dinner, even though I'm the most affected by this thing, you know? And so it was, but what, but that also helped me find out that he was also married. That's whose life I was funding. Yes. So I was funding (laughs) their life. And, and I, he, he probably took about $80,000 from me. I was a waitress at the time. I was, right. I was like, you're 21, yeah. 22. So the, yeah. the, the, he couldn't even like, I'm sorry. Like, not that you're not fabulous, but if I'm out here really trying to have my life funded, I wouldn't try to ruin no, the life he, of a 21 year old. I know. I know. And so I, and, and every time I thought to me, I, this was like a savings plan with my partner where I, and sometimes he would get jobs. He would get a writing job mm-hmm. that from writing that I did, then lie to himself and his ego would tell him he could write. Then he would continue to write. Then they would fire him because they'd be like, you're not funny because they're no longer using my stuff. But yeah, so it was a lot of money for me. And I literally was like homeless for like a month afterwards. Oh my God. And it, it was, it was, it was so awful. Like it was even, I mean, it's very dark. It's all very dark. I, I thought he had cancer at one point. I was cooking him iodine free food. I was, but yeah, he was married to some other sad person who I, to this day, I don't know if she was involved in the lie or what I, I, I was went, old, how much older was he? A lot, like 10 or something. Like 13 years older or whatever. And she, she was like some blackjack dealer that had followed him from Colorado and yeah, and and I was one <laughs> of no, I, no, ginger, ginger, no, because that's a crazy ass specific. I know. I mean, I got more bombs. I got more roadmap bombs. So then, so a lot of people were victims of this piece of shit. And he, so Fox Studios, who who by the way called me afterwards, being like, "We owe you nothing," and blah blah, because they didn't want me to sue. I wasn't even. I didn't even know that was an option. I was <laughs> like, "Does he have cancer?" Like, I was like so confused. Or any of the people that I had spoken to, real, I didn't know. He was also emailing me, trying to live with me, so he didn't know that I knew. And I had talked to Trey, and so it was really weird. He he did not know Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen was a victim of this. Wow. Trey and Sasha knew each other. Um, a lot of people at Mad TV were victims of this. As he owed me money, he was dating someone from Mad TV and they were going on trips to New York with my money as I was like literally like so broke that I ate like creamer from Starbucks, like a sad little uh, homeless person. And then, but then, so after, yeah, so a lot of people, he, it's just so weird. Like there were so many, so many famous people involved in it and then. Like maybe like a couple months after that, I was at this nightclub that I used to sing at and Heidi Plume threw her Halloween birthday party there. Oh yeah, when she dresses, <laughs> yes, where she's giving us elaborate outfits. Yeah, and randomly I'm like talking to Quentin Tarantino and Edgar Wright. And <laughs> You were really at peak LA, honey. You were 22 and you said, I'm going to be out here. <laughs> the only thing missing from this story is the Viper Room. If somehow the Viper Room is to be like peak LA. That is the Viper Room. Yeah, so then, so, uh, and I feel like Edgar Wright's like my Twitter friend and stuff now. I have so much respect for him. He's so cool. And I, I don't know if he remembers this, but I'm chatting with Edgar Wright. He brings up this story because he's friends with Sasha Baron Cohen. He's just like chatting about something that happened recently. And I'm like, yo, I'm that girl. (laughs) So I shared my side of it. And it was all very, I don't know. It was, it was obviously very, very sad. And it was, it was weirder to like try to maintain like a level of cool around 
that dinner with Trey, you know what I mean? Because I'm not trying like, it was so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was so insane and it continued to be insane because I didn't, I really didn't know what was real for a really, really long time. And I didn't have, uh, the access that everyone else did to kind of like piecing everything together. So how did you extricate yourself finally, right? You start to get this information, right? Like it's very clear that this is all a lie, but now how do you, you know, get to the point where this person is cut off, doesn't have access to you, all that? Yeah, I mean, I got out of that place. It was even so like, everything was so wrong about that. Like even like when we went to dinner with Trey where everyone's sharing their stories, you know, I'm finding out he's married. He got married at on uh, Trey. Let him get married at his house in Hawaii as a kindness to the sad woman he was dating that he didn't respect or whatever. So all, all this madness. Then someone from Mad TV drives me home because I don't have a car because he had taken my car. But then that person asks me out on a date. Oh, I'm like, what part of I don't have a house tomorrow? Did you not hear? Like I'm just like. Like, and you're trying to be like, oh, thank you. But uh, no, I love, you love vulnerable women. Uh, <laughs> like Ike Baron Holt, how dare you? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Ike. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was, uh, I was just in survival mode for truly like the next so many uh, years. And I had so much shame surrounding it, which uh, for feeling so stupid. Um, but the level of, uh, the level of manipulation was so strong, obviously. Yeah, but it also, yeah, and I felt shame because, uh, like Trey didn't speak to me, so so no one really knew. It was hard to suss out like who was involved in what. Like I think his wife was probably involved in things, like you know, pe- women calling me on the phone that I thought were his sister, stuff like that. So I don't know. I definitely got it the worst out of everyone. So for everyone else, it was like a Hollywood story. And for me, it was like this, uh, yeah, it was, it was just crazy. And, and, uh, I don't know, it was, it it was weird finally being able to afford a therapist so many years later because I would bring this up and they would breeze over it. I can't tell you. Yeah, I would, I have learned in my life that I have the gift for seeming just so okay. Or so like, I don't cry in therapy. I don't like whatever. I just kind of like tell a story. But so these like bullet points, like meant nothing to like so many therapists. It just sounded like a silly thing or something. Or I have also learned that if there's famous people involved, it becomes less real to therapists that I'm talking to. It's like, I'm talking about characters and it doesn't, it's not, uh, it's just something I've observed and they're all humans also, you know? Um, So yeah, I remember at one point I had to finally stop and be like, how did you never follow up on like what I brought to you on day one? Right. right. Well, and they're just like, uh, so is Joaquin Phoenix cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I will say how did something like that again at such a young age, how are you still here six working in this business? Cause I think that's the kind of like terror, like you were terrorized, scammed, manipulated, yeah. all that at such a young age and you see these powerful people, right? Like, as you said, these people who you were like, I wanted to meet them, but not like this. And yeah. the extent to which, because they did have, you know, a team of lawyers, extra money. Like they could take, they did. I remember being like, they had a private investigator for like 10 grand a day. Like, you know, they had right. like, yeah. But, so how does that like, you know, that's Cartman money for you. Cartman money. <laughs> 
how, like, how did you, because I, I think that would have turned me so off. I would have been so like, get, like, not again, I get having a dream. Don't get me wrong. But I would have been like, everybody here is evil and crazy. Yeah, I get angry by the normal shit of being exploited yes. oh. in this business. Just like the normal, like, like the regular stuff we're all striking about now and all that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. That's like, I'm like pacing around yeah, the furious. apartment, like furious. So like this extra thing seem like... The, all of this manipulation and trauma on top of that seems like I, I don't even have the words, right? Yeah. I mean, and again, I, I also didn't think that I could have like another dose of it many years later, which I did. And now I'm, I'm very aware that that can never happen to me again. I'm so educated around like everything in my brain and other people's brains that would um, lead to that. But it did affect me as far as like, um, I was I was doing stand up at the time because the wait list for the Groundlings Writing Lab was so long once you pass a couple levels and it definitely made me stop doing stand up which I never truly loved anyways but I couldn't take another ounce of male toxicity like I used to be able to be like I'm the only girl on Saturday at the improv with all these drunk idiots who say dumb shit to me all the time fine after that I just like I couldn't handle like I couldn't be around that much more of it but I also was, I also was so upset with the creativity that had been taken from me. Like, mm. so not just the writing that was actually stolen from me, but like I had been working on like a Sasha Baron Cohen type show that um, I had filmed things that, you know, I had auditioned for American Idol and character. Eventually I went to tea party rallies and character. And I had like <laughs> these things that I didn't want to, these projects that I didn't want to lose that I had also invested so much time in because of this. And I think I maybe got unhealthily attached to that project in, per in particular that maybe could have been let go. I actually stopped doing it because it, I didn't like the lies that are necessary for hidden camera. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like having to be kind of like those people in order to get your comedy across. But I was just more livid at, I was so mad, especially with the gender part of it, that like a dude would have credit for my work. You know what I mean? Like even in college when I, I lived with a bunch of guys one year and when they would use my jokes at parties, I would be like, oh, like how, like at least I would just, oof, it, I would get so mad. And then my 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 boyfriend that I had after that for 10 years, it was lovely. We, we would write together. And it was really hard in the beginning because I was like hypersensitive to any freaking joke that was mine. And if he took credit for it accidentally, I would just be like, ah! so I had to like realize why I was so upset with that. But I don't know. I, um, I do my one true love is what I do over any person or any, you know, I love art so, 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 so much. I love playing characters. I love writing. And I do think I have a lot to say. So I think that unfortunately or fortunately it it ends up uh giving me more that I'm like oh how can this info not be out there mm -hmm. in a creative way mm -hmm. you know how can I not like like I've sold like a mental health show to HBO at one point and I'm like this info is important you know what I mean but I don't want to just TED talk it you know what I mean I want to like make it fun for myself and so I don't know it was not easy and I do have to check myself and be like this is miraculous it <laughs> so is I mean it is like I yeah. mean I joked before but the fact that you have a clear skin and a smile because you <laughs> went through so much stuff so early 
in your life yeah. that would have yeah. between you know again Modesto UC Santa Barbara and then this and it's like to think that you you know you don't seem cynical right, right. you don't seem like a guard like a hard guarded person I get a paper cut of my days ruined absolutely <laughs> Can I tell you the other day, I got a power washer, which I thought was so cool to wash my rugs. And I didn't know that uh, power washers can cut skin. I sliced my toe. Oh, no. The power washer. So just a little uh, PSA warning. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I have an uh, insatiable need to make the things that I want to make. So I think... It's funny, even in high school when I would, uh, Modesto was ranked like the sixth most depressing city in the nation. I remember driving and listening. Oh, no. really? Yeah. Really? Underneath Skokie, Illinois. And I remember hearing that on NPR. And I was very depressed in Modesto. But if I had a speech tournament like on the calendar, I was like, oh, damn. I got that, though. So I got to like keep going because I'm about to get to use my brain in a really fun way at this thing. And so, yeah, I just, yeah, I just love, I have a, yeah, my need to make things is too strong. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good, though. Well, that's good, because I swear <laughs> to God, just hearing this story, I got to take a nap. Do you know what I mean? Like, I hear something, <laughs> and I go, you know what? I got to it rest. Was, it probably has to do with the way that I tell it. And I feel I feel guilty that this has come up before, but it's unavoidable once I go Modesto and dating. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's in the, it's, it's, it's a definitely, um. Yeah, and he went off to con a, a bunch of people afterwards. I think he uh, popped up recently, and it's. Uh, but yeah, it's funny. I have like such a, I my 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 doctorate in like sociopathy and psychopathy and all these things. Now, truly, like my uh, self uh, self given doctorate is wild. I listened to um, this uh, this uh, the masterclass on hostage negotiation. And it was talking about how he, how he does it. And I was just like, what the fuck is he talking about? And he, like, everything he talked about was like how I live my life. Like, <laughs> like yeah, it was just like, make people comfortable. Blah, blah. It was just like, I was like, what is he saying? And he was like, it's called tactical empathy. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. My empathy hasn't been tactical. It's just been this open, unguarded thing that I have to cap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, should I be a hostage negotiator? Because I think it'd be really good. Well, this is the thing I think is so funny, right? Because whenever they do movies about hostage negotiators, it's always a man. And I was like, if there's anybody who knows how to calm another man down, da- no. calm a man down, it's a woman. Okay? It's, Literally, the whole thing is just like, everything's fine. I'm not mad at you. No, you're yeah. okay. Can I keep walking down the street, please? Yeah. Like, let <laughs> me see. Like, are you a hundred percent? It should. Yeah. Why is it a dude? I actually think my friend, Phil, uh, my friend, Phil America is a very famous artist. He's in like MoMA and stuff. His dad is a really famous hostage negotiator. He did whatever they make movies about. I don't know. I make <laughs> there, there, there's the negotiator been a, with uh, Samuel Jackson. No, it? it is uh it's more recent. They just did a, a a series and a film. And I was like, that's your dad. And then I wanted to meet him and he got upset. <laughs> okay, Phil, you can't tell everybody that's your dad and then be mad. Yeah, yeah you can't. Sorry, like, Phil, but uh, we gotta like we can't wanna drop tidbits like that and not have people interested. I know. 
Now, Ginger, do you have time to answer at least one question? Because I feel like you have such a rich life experience. You can help somebody. You can help somebody on the edge. Yes. I just also have to point out that it means so much to me that you say I have nice skin coming from the most beautiful glowy skin on the planet. Oh, my God. Honored. Honored. Okay. That's what we take our break on. That beautiful content. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back after this. Can we take a minute and talk about Skims? Now, you know I'm a recent Skims convert, having tried their underwear in the last few months, and I am now living lifted, supported, changed. So I decided to keep trying new stuff. And let me tell you, Skims basics and foundations are where it's at. Yes, I recently got the soft, smoothing, seamless t-shirt. And y'all, it is so comfortable. It's been the perfect layer for me. I'm rocking it under a cardigan or a sweater when I want to keep it fitted and fabulous and not look all bulky. I mean, y'all know I'm back to work. Hashtag blessings. And I'm definitely that girl who is always cold in the office. Okay, I need my layers, but I'm still trying to look put together. And the soft, smoothing, seamless shirt is helping me get it right. And I also got the boyfriend t-shirt in Heather Gray, and it is so friggin' soft and comfortable, and it's giving casual but intentional when I wear it with a pair of jeans. I'm feeling very good at it. So if you want to give these and other basics a try, shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small through 4X. Thank you for the range, Skims. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's skims.com. Go check out everything they've got and the new t-shirt shop. Dear listeners, Andy here doing the ad read again, and today we're talking about me undies. As the male half of couples therapy, I was asked to do this one because we're talking about boxers, which, and I hope I'm not breaking any confidences, Naomi does not wear. Now, if you're a podcast listener like me, you've heard plenty of ads for me undies, and frankly, I had always thought it's underwear. How special can it be? And then I tried them, and friends, it is like wearing magic. It is like wearing a dream. It is so soft, there is nothing earthly I can compare it to. I am embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed to say I'm middle-aged and just finding this out, but the material your underwear is made out of really does make a difference. I won't say where I usually get my boxers from, but for comparison, me undies are like wearing a cloud covered in angel's feathers, and the other ones I wear are like wearing a bear trap smothered in puke. Me undies got style for everyone, from all black classics to fun expressive prints in sizes extra small to 4XL. And they use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that actually care for their workers. Also, I gotta point this out, there is a particular technology that the folks at Me Undies would like me to discuss. Now, you know Naomi is sex negative and I am sex neutral, so I didn't want to have to say what this technology is, so I asked 
friend of the show, friend in real life, Mort Burke, to say the phrase. So, okay, here it goes. For any listeners with penises and testicles, I can say medical words, I can say medical words, you might be interested in me undies sophisticated contoured pouch and ball caddy. What's that again, Mort? They're incredibly comfortable contoured pouch and ball caddy. Wonderful. Thanks, buddy. Okay, soft underwear comes in all packages at MeUndies. So to get 20% off your first order, plus free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash therapy. That's MeUndies.com slash therapy for 20% off, plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. And we're back, Ginger Gonzalez, a survivor among us. Survivor of all. Okay? All She's right. out here. We get <laughs> questions from all over from Twitter, Instagram, Gmail. Of course, our favorite is voicemail. Naomi, what is that number? 323-524-7839. Y'all, it's a three-minute limit. You got to listen to me when I say three-minute limit. Because y'all be going too slow and then you get cut off right before the good stuff. By the way, I think <laughs> that number spells dad jag stew. If I <laughs> remember correctly. Okay. Okay. All right, uh, here we go. I think this is the one that we should do. Okay. Hi, Naomi and Andy. You can call me Anne. I love you both. Thank you for bringing me so many laughs and helping me get through the day. I live near Andy's hometown. Go Rustbelt. Woohoo! Uh, far across the country from where I grew up. And I've been married for 10 years, and I have children and many pups. And this summer, I'm going back to my parents' house so my partner can visit finish his dissertation, and I can have child care while I work. Uh, but here's the thing I'm worried about, and I would love your advice. I come from a conservative religious background, and I moved east, and I turned liberal. <laughs> but as long as we don't talk politics, it's fine. But what isn't fine is my mom's love of bringing up boyfriends of the past. So she likes to keep tabs on all my exes on social media and she feels like it's her duty to tell me what's going on with them and I frankly don't care. I'm rarely on social media. I don't follow any of them, but this is where it gets really weird. So she likes to discuss one of my past coworkers a lot. I'll call him Logan. Uh, He was my friend and we were just completely platonic and he was He's 15 years older than me, and I worked with him for several years. But while I was seriously dating my partner, my mom came to me in tears, and she said, "I was, I'm with, you're with the wrong guy because God had told her that um, I was supposed to marry Logan." And I was completely flabbergasted, and I told her, "One, I love my partner that I'm with." Two, if God really wanted me to marry this Logan, wouldn't he have told me? And so I flat out rejected her vision. She was very mad, very sad at me. And for the next few years, she was just a thorn in my side through dating my partner, engaging, you know, getting engaged, getting married. Now it's been 10 years since I've been married. She's pleasantly neutral to my husband, but every time I go home, she mentions what Logan is up to, how great he is, etc. Even though I flat out asked her not to bring up any past relationships or friends or boyfriends in conversation. So my question for you is, what more can I do? We have a good relationship. She may surprise me by respecting my boundaries, but this has been going on so long. So I'd love your wisdom on how to deal with mom's 
stuck in the past. Thank you so much. Love you. Bye. Uh, okay. This is so <laughs> wild. Like, Anne, okay, this is so wild. I'm like, I don't even understand. Ginger, what are your thoughts? Mom's toxic. Mom needs a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have thoughts. Yes, please. please. You go first. Okay. Oh, this woman. First, <laughs> first, love that she has been. I love, this works great for comedy people. You guys would be great at it. Google gray rocking a narcissist, whether your mom is a narcissist or not. And how you get anyone, I find, to stop talking about nonsense or whatever is you don't give them uh, narcissistic supply is what it's called in the narcissist. So if you're boring, if she's like, what about Logan? And you're like, oh yeah, I don't know. Instead of mom, stop talking about that. They don't get the hint of drama or curiosity or spark for anything that they want and need to continue to have something to do with their brain for the day, you know? So eventually she will stop. If you just keep giving a boring, neutral, I don't care response, she will start going to another person to try to bring up Logan. And once that person doesn't do it, she will stop getting fed and it's just like over. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. what she really needs is the the conversation about it or the no or the re the continuing of needing to hear that was never anything and blah, 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 or any argument about whether God actually talked to her about it. So if she gets no, no extra thing, no extra word to continue a conversation with really. And comedians are, I've literally coached people like before their weddings on what to do with their moms, like, <laughs> like when they're being drama. Cause if you're funny, it's easier to do gray rocking. Like you can, if it's in a text message, you can be like, Oh, girl, are, are you on the internet again? Like, I'm not talking about that. And then back right. to fighting. Be like, I'm sorry, there's no tea. And then they get a gift. They got something fun. You know what I mean? They got a fun little gift. But then they didn't get what they wanted to talk about. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's my only thought. Yeah. Really. I, wait, can I? Gray rocking? Gray rocking. Gray rocking. You just become so boring. And the recipe I always give for people who have any sense of humor is... To so you you respond to what so the best example I can give is my friend at her mom's wedding or at or my my friend's mom at her wedding she she was being like drama and she'd be like I don't know if I'll even be able to be there my ankle feels like it might be broken right so she wants the drama yeah. a broken ankle. so you go oh my god you hurt your ankle you acknowledge what they wanted you to acknowledge and then you go now we're not going to see you on the dance floor girl everyone's going to be sad boom and so now it's. You, you, you didn't ignore her. So she can't say, you don't even care that I have a broken ankle. You go, that sucks. That'll prevent you from this. And then their minds go, oh, uh, I do want to dance. And I don't want to have to sit by myself at a freaking wedding. And you just trick them. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, yeah. But the, the Instagram-ness, there's no, that, there's no changing that person. They're going to be stalking for forever. Well, this is what I was going to say too. Another way, like I totally agree with what you're saying, but then there's another part of it too where it's like, you know, as you said, mom needs a like a hobby. And so yeah. I wonder, is there also a chance to pivot where it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know about Logan. Mom, have you been doing anything interesting? Because I think sometimes it's like because it's not just want the drama, but it does seem like what she wants is a connection. What she yeah. wants is something to talk about. And I get when you retire, when you don't have as much going yeah. on, you don't have much to talk about. When you're so, a narcissist. Narcissist, too. <laughs> but it's also like, does she not have a friend crew? Can she not give you gossip about the girls at Bridge or whatever the thing is? Like, <laughs> she doesn't have bridge. that. So she's bringing you like the stuff about somebody from 
oh, at least 10 years ago because you've been married 10 years. So it's like, yeah. like, is there, you know, when you guys are together, not just pivoting that conversation, but again, you want childcare too. So you don't want her to be too busy, right? You're yeah. like, mom, watch these kids. But I, can you like get her to do something or like an activity or, hey, I'm going to drop you off at this place for a couple hours. Something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with moms like that, like I know like I with the, the people I grew up with, like they would be in like a woman's church group, but obviously that always led to lots of gossip. So it breeds a little bit of that culture. But for someone like that, and I know a lot of moms like that, it like uh i learned recently that uh problem solving is a uh, uh is a dopamine hit so some people like even in a relationship they're like oh let me figure this out and it's not even something that needed to be figured out but they're just trying to problem solve like some brains are like built for that so what they don't realize is if they had just played chess online for 5 minutes they would have gotten <laughs> the, the same hit like the same dopamine hit so i feel like Parents like, like, I think like game groups are really good for, uh, adults. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, I, I laugh at the people that play Mahjong. Cause like my, my, my Asian family and my white family, like they know real Mahjong. And then I know all these like Midwestern moms that play Mahjong and it's like not real Mahjong, <laughs> like whatever gin running group or like some sort of, uh, yeah, some sort of like, uh, games are good. It, it, the brain is looking for something. And for that, I can have so much compassion. And you're right. They, she is looking for a connection. Like, I remember this, the person that I knew was Logan. This man's a stranger, you know? And so, or it's, uh, yeah, I wonder what other sort of like, uh, yeah, because you don't want, you want to have your child care. I always think that uh, uh, older people should work at, um, they should work at, uh, I saw I saw an elderly couple working at the Hollywood Bowl as ushers. And I was like, boom, that's the answer. Be old, work as an usher with your wife, then uh, get to see cool art that you may not have ever even wanted to see. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they get to see the symphony and they're watching like Doja Cat, like whatever. That's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and they're getting employed, like they're ushers. So uh, yeah, some, it's just uh, an extra thing uh, or, or. Yeah, but you're right. It does need a course correct. Yeah, you need, you need something else to fill that hole. I say start dating Logan. Yeah. I say show your mom yeah. that it's not that it really wouldn't be great. First and thing then is she could be is like, Logan hot? Like, <laughs> right? We don't know. We don't know, and that's crucial to all of this. What's Logan doing? Because I'll tell you what the Logan's doing for my college. He started lit. Wow. Logan Green was my friend on the environmental affairs board, and then one day he was like, "I'm one of the CEOs." With eBay, and I was like, "What are you, the CEO of Logan?" And it was Lyft, and that's what he worked on in college was was green transportation. So if he's Logan Green, honey, <laughs> then God is talking to you, <laughs> and he's okay. real. If it's the CEO of Lyft, then you then I say open up the marriage. Uh -huh. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not saying divorce your husband. I'm right, not saying right. I'm saying, saying just open, open it up. Who's it open up? Open it up. Logan yeah. from Lyft could afford childcare. Sure. I know. But I wonder what the what the obsession is. It's just the past. She's stuck on the past yeah. too. Yeah. It's, like, it's very remember when you were thirty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone who's like, remember when we were all young together? It's like what they want to talk about is back then. And especially like, especially if you do believe like God spoke to you, you're like, remember that time I was God's vessel? It's like, <laughs> actually, no, I don't. <laughs> This is going to be a hard one. Uh, I was not the best one. <laughs> that's like, always... Let this one go. Because, Coming yeah. from an evangelical background, tell me, what, why is God speaking about such mundane? <laughs> like, it was... 
in it from from the Bible stuff I've read, it was things like, "Hey, I'm going to get you out of slavery and put you into a your own land." Things like that, not like, "Hey, uh, remember the uh, the cashier from uh, Toys R Us that you worked with? Uh, I think you should be dating him." Yeah, that guy. Remember Logan, who your mom would have dated, working at <laughs> age. Yeah, yeah. What if that's really? It's the mom who's Maybe like, "Mom wishes she had gone for the person from ten years ago." Uh huh. <laughs> Oh, and it's like my daughter do the thing I couldn't do. Yes. I know. Yes. There's probably some of that. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. instead of like a stage mom, it's a like, whatever you would call that romance mom. I don't yeah, know. Like, a dating mom. Dating mom. Thirst trap mom. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, course correcting through others. Life course correcting through others. God, so many people do that. Oh, I think a lot of people do that with kids. I kind of get, like, yeah. if you're going to have kids, to me, that it's almost, it makes the most sense. Of, like, yeah, this is my chance to get it right. Somebody, I'm like, don't pretend you're doing this because, like, first of all, we don't need new people. So that no. if you're making one, they're, they're nefarious intentions underneath. Yes. Okay? <laughs> I'm like, this one's going to know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> all all everything i went through will be worth it because i will be able to course correct with a new human <laughs> yes. it's like kind of i think part of it but you know look i'm out here childless nobody wants to hear from me <laughs> i got two dogs they might have been fighting at the beginning of this audio i, <laughs> I will say this then set up your mom and logan all right there's got to be some you know what turn into a reality okay yeah let's give her, let's give her stop the this thing have her. Yeah, if she's looking up Logan that much, I go, she, she, you know what she today? The next time she says, you go, mom, slide into his DMs. Tell him how you feel. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out for this person, I love that she was like, I grew up like this and now, haha, I'm liberal. I will, this is, this was not asked, this advice, but I will just say, around those people, I've learned the more you continue to tickle their brains slowly. Rather than in any debate or just get, just drop sentences, it's like getting one out anyone out of a cult. You just tickle their brain, and then it tickles for like six months, and you tickle it again with a little bit of logic. Tickles, tickles, and it's really impressive how uh, within time sometimes they come around. Is it? Is at some point it'll relate to them directly, and that's when people change. <laughs> uh, that, do you mind if I ask? Did that happen in your life? Yeah, were you tickled? Did someone tickle your or brain? Di or did you tickle others? I have tickled many a brain. I I I think because I'm aware of kind of like the culty, also like children of narcissists, it, it mimics a cult. Like a lot of that is, is a lot of the, there's a wonderful book that I'm always preaching about, The Cult of Trump. The audiobook is amazing, written by a guy who was in the Sun Young Moon cult. Literally, the audiobook is delivered with the love of someone who knows that someone listening may not completely understand. It's even like slow. But it's just, it's endlessly fascinating to me how much like the ego will trap itself. Like, you know, all these people who are in jail for Trump, like their ego has to cling to that Trump is right rather than suffering the pain that they've been had. You know what I mean? And there's miniature versions of that with everyone with whatever philosophy they cling on to that may not be usually in their best interest. And I've, I've seen it. I feel like uh, people in cults are trauma. It's all this. It's all the same things. Even even waking up someone to their trauma just so they can admit it is a delicate, delicate process because you can squeeze someone back into their shell really quickly. So it's so much more about not saying you and being like, oh, that's so interesting. That's a cool thought for me. I remember this. And then they only heard what you were saying about yourself. 
And you, I can see in people's eyes when they've been, when their brain's going, huh? You know what I mean? And I think it's like, and I think therapists do that too to all of their patients. They can see when they've dropped too many bombs and then the person's sitting there quietly and they go, okay, that's the bomb for today. I'm going to let that marinate. <laughs> so, but it is interesting, like how long it can take with, but, but yeah, it's like little tiny brain tickles for them to have. And I've seen, I've, I've, I, I, I see it all the time and I've seen it with, with friends that may have been in sort of some toxic trap and over time. And the most beautiful thing from that is when you start hearing them preaching it back to you, mm-hmm. that's when I think you really know how healed someone is because they're eager to share their knowledge, which may be something you told them, but you don't need the credit for it because <laughs> the very act of them regurgitating it, like in their power, like I know this is really, uh, really good to see. Yeah. 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 Oh my God, Ginger, 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 Ginger. I'm so sorry. Am I? Am I funny? This is great. This is no. This This is perfect. And like I was saying, we could keep talking for another hour. I know, but I said, you know what, y'all? We got Ginger here on a Sunday morning, so it's like we gotta (laughs) let her go back to Uh, life. We respect your time. Yes, but it's like this was so good. But just so you you. know, we could keep talking, especially like for someone who was like, I don't know what this podcast is or why I'm here. (laughs) You really stepped up. You like really said, you know what. This is, I understand the assignment. And that's beautiful. Okay, that's beautiful. You really came with an open heart and a loose butt. Mm. And a loose butt. As, as we ask. <laughs> and that's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you very much. And you we'll see you all next time. Bye. Yes, thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætter alle de der podcasts, der forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.